And a lot of times I see teams with individuals who are a, a bit older, they're assigned a lot of times some of the, what I would call sometimes babysitting responsibilities, oh. <laughs> right? So they're not being asked to lean into their technical expertise. They're not being asked to, you know, lead when it comes to how do we manage change best or how are we being innovative? They're being asked to ensure their peers who are less experienced are doing their work, right? You're listening to It Gets Late Early, a show about the experience of getting older in the tech industry. I'm your host, Maureen Wiley-Clough. Let's dive in. Welcome to It Gets Late Early. Today, I have with me a special guest, Sandy Matus, and she is here with us from Textio, which is a company that exists to help hire and retain diverse talent. So welcome to the show, Sandy. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much, Maureen, for inviting me. I'm currently the VP of People for Textio. And as you shared, we focus on ensuring that we provide uh, tooling for organizations to help hire and retain diverse talent. Uh, I've been in HR my whole career. I studied HR. I've been doing this for quite some time in a variety of different industries, right? So I've worked in recruiting. I've worked in hospitality. I've worked in finance. And for the last, you know, 15 years or so, I've been working in tech startups and really helping organizations move from that startup, you know, scrappy organization into being organizations that are a little more developed and sustain their performance uh, throughout the years. Today, I'm incredibly excited about uh, discussing age discrimination, right? So it happens across so many organizations and it has an impact uh, beyond of people not feeling supported or respected. It really does impact how people are evaluated, how performance reviews are crafted and how people grow and the opportunities that people have across the organization, in, uh, including in tech. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've been a, a part of the very early startup world. So you know what that can look like, which I, I've been a part of as well in many organizations. And I can tell you for sure from firsthand experience, it can seem like a sea of homogeneity, right? It's like all the same types of people, same colors, same, you know, often very male dominated. And so it's interesting to see that after you've been in those organizations, you found yourself in an organization in Textio that seeks to actually increase the diversity and the representation across all sorts of different groups at the at the workplace. So a big change, I imagine. Yeah, it's incredibly interesting to see, right, to I, I think that a lot of the organizations that I've been a part of say they value diversity, right? And I think that there's few that would actively say that's not something that they're seeking or cognitively uh, trying to obtain. But I think this is the first organization that is willing to take active steps in order to achieve that, right? So there is a underlining expectation that we all contribute to this goal versus in other organizations, there was an organizational goal and there were certain parties or certain divisions that really led that work. And um, the efforts, although present, were just not as, um, we weren't as cognizant of ensuring that those needed to be met, right? So they came to be very performative or just something yeah. that we shared with candidates or shared internally, but we weren't actually taking all the necessary steps to make it a reality. Right. Yeah. There, there definitely is so much performative optics driven sort of PR out there when it comes yeah. to diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives yeah. in the tech world and beyond. Right. Uh, but what I found to be so interesting, and, and obviously it's the subject of this particular podcast, but is the dearth of representation across all age ranges. Uh, and, and so that's that's something I really want to dig in here and learn from you about, you know, what what have you seen as far as age bias data that's been drawn from, from Textio's software? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I'm sensitive to age bias. I've experienced it in every organization that I have, not, not always myself personally, but just been the role that I've been in, right? Being in HR, you get to see all the, you know, the underbelly of every organization, yeah. right? And some of the decisions <laughs> that are made, right? And it is shocking to truly know that although there's bias across the board and some odd decisions um, and odd morals happen in every organization, 
the comfort level that organizations have with making age-related commentary or even, you know, generation-related you know related commentary, it's so broad, right? And no one sees this as being a big issue. I don't understand why <laughs> is this bad, right? And despite training and despite giving discrimination training and speaking to it, it is still very much... Uh, something that is socially acceptable and it is acceptable in the workplace as well, right? So I have an infinite number of stories where age has become uh, something that is considered, right, or spoken to at the time that decisions are being made, right? And this is something that when we did some research at Textio, we found that there's language bias. And what that means is that the use of language is giving us an indicator that there's bias in how these certain groups are being represented. And when you're thinking about age itself, people under 40 are described as being ambitious, you know, two and a half times more than people who are 40 and older, right? Wow. People over 40 are you know, called responsible, right? <laughs> and then selfish instead of younger workers, right? Ouch. And yeah, all these stereotypes, right, really kind of come back and they, they're represented in that feedback in that language. So although a manager may not consciously be thinking like, gosh, you know, Sally is 50 and I don't think Sally has a lot of experience, there's some traits that they're applying to Sally in that evaluation and that will inherently impact Sally's ability to be successful in the organization. It may hinder opportunities, right? And something that I see frequently is there's both that overtness, right? Where people come back and say, gosh, so-and-so is super old, right? <laughs> and it's pretty shocking to hear that, right? Or I'm only going to hire young people. Right. But then there's the, the things that is not as overt and what you typically see, right? Which is these classifications of, of characteristics that are applied to people, right? Or you see in job postings, grad only, right? I need two to mm -hmm. four years of experience, which again is really meant to target a specific group of individuals, right? You see things as energetic, right? You these hear things such as, you know, I'm looking for a ninja, right? And all <laughs> That's these my things, personal favorite. Yes, terrible, <laughs> and like right? you name me some like yeah. 50 plus year old who yeah. self-identifies with the word ninja and like, come on. It just doesn't happen, right? And it's one of the not. reasons that text to exist is because yeah. we help, you know, organizations be able to craft job descriptions that is more inclusive, right? And it is not necessarily, you know, trying to attract one audience versus another, it's really trying to make sure that it's inclusive and, you know, removes a lot of that language that's really harmful for organizations, right? I don't think organizations always understand the harm that they're creating. And just historically, you know, I think of a time where this idea of especially like older workers being responsible, right? There is this... <laughs> Instead of like, you're automatically more mature because you're older. And some of the most immature behaviors that I've ever had to work through are individuals in their 50s and 60s, right? So like, it's such a contrast, right? Of like yeah. these assigned responsibilities that are giving to people or characteristics. And it's just not necessarily fair, right? And a lot of times I see teams with individuals who are a, a bit older, they're assigned a lot of times some of the, what I would call sometimes babysitting responsibilities, oh. right? <laughs> so they're not being asked to lean into their technical expertise. They're not being asked to, you know, lead when it comes to how do we manage change best or how are we being innovative? They're being asked to ensure their peers who are less experienced are doing their work, right? Or they're leading a project and it may not be something that interests them. So they're not necessarily always aligning what that individual's growth or strengths are, right? Because they are assigning a belief of X because these individuals are, are a certain age, right? I hadn't and, thought of that babysitting aspect and how that could deter someone from continuing on the path that would be, you know, reserved for someone who was, quote, ambitious, right? Like, yeah, you correct, don't give 100%. babysitting mm -hmm. responsibilities necessarily to the ambitious person. Yeah. Oh, 100%, interesting. right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know, and I've heard things that are also you know, tied to, oh, they're not going to leave. They have a family. They're established. So we're not going to invest in them, right? I need to invest in this young person that's going who to- might have a flight risk. Might have a, yeah, 100%, right? Mm. And these conversations, I'm sharing this because these are not conversations that are isolated. These are not conversations that happen once. These are conversations that throughout my career have occurred with a multitude of leaders. And I don't think any of these leaders are coming in saying, I'm trying to actively harm the people on their team, Right. But it is really a conversation of having to help them understand how these commentaries are impacting, how they view the person and the opportunities that person has. So, you know, when you think about it, 
Age discrimination is relatively rampant, right? I think 21% of the EEOC claims or 27% of the EEOC claims are age-related, right? So people are feeling it. People are feeling that my age is a factor in how I'm being treated in my opportunities with an organization. And 21% is a pretty significant uh, portion, especially when you think of most EEOC claims are due to retaliation, right? So when 50, I think about 50% of them are due to retaliation related, then things like ethnicity, race, you know, gender, age, I'll fall into it and you know a, a quarter of it is 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 um attributed to to age so this is something very real for a lot of people and it is something that i coach many many managers on and continue to help individuals understand the importance of removing those bias just like any other bias that you have right i don't think any leader would want to come back and saying oh i'm making a decision on that person because of their race or because of their gender Right. So getting managers educated on what they yeah. need to do is incredibly important. Right. Yeah. Um, and to your point, I mean, I think people would, you know, very much, hopefully uh, good, good people <laughs> at least would bristle at the concept of it being suggested that they were discriminating on people on the basis of race or gender. Right. That's not something you want to be associated with if you're a good human. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so but with age, it's like it's it doesn't even come up as wrong. I think a lot of times, I mean, and certainly when it goes towards the younger demographic, right? It's, oh, those youngins, like that's kind of protected speech, right? Because that's not federally protected status, right? And then you're over 40, you can't overtly say, oh, so-and-so, I mean, although let me tell you, my listeners will write into me and say, someone told me that I was too old to be hired in tech the other day, like a recruiter. I mean, so people are absolutely doing this. This is illegal behavior. It does happen, but I think the it, it happens more often on the case of against the younger people because that's protected speech. And then the rest of the stuff, like you suggested, is kind of cloaked language that people might not even necessarily be aware of, right? Hey, it's Adam Grant. The new season of my TED podcast, Work Life, is out now. The past few years have been full of changes to how we work, but there's so much more we can rethink about our jobs. Join me as I dive into the science of making work not suck. This season, we'll explore how to fix your meetings, bust bureaucracy, and make the most out of your breaks and vacations. Listen to Work Life with Adam Grant wherever you listen to podcasts. But how do we get how do we get people to wake up to this? How do we get people to understand how damaging this is to their older peers and to themselves and to their future selves if they're not quite there, right? Because yeah, it absolutely. gets late early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it certainly does. And look, I, I don't think that there's a magic wand that's going to fix this, right? I Wouldn't think that be that, nice? Uh, it would be, <laughs> yes. Um, there's, you know, you think about uh, any changes that there's been with gender or race, it's been an uphill battle. Right. And it's still not where it should be. Right. When you think about the efforts that were done in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and you think there's been progress, but potentially not the progress or nor have we been able to sustain the progress that we were hoping to. And I think that it's going to be there's no magic pill. Right. In general. Right. I think that uh, it comes most importantly for organizations, right? Especially where there is this uh, deep perception in tech, right? And in, in startup and techs, right? That older workers may not provide value, right? And I think part of it is dispelling that, right? That that is not true, right? And so when I think about my own experiences and even in research regarding individuals who are over 40, if you think about right now, a large percentage of software engineers are in their 40s. And those individuals who are most experienced, who really can code incredibly well, who can see around corners, who can anticipate problems, are in their 40s, right? And every time there is some narrative that comes out of, you know, you can't be older in tech, right? That comes up in TikTok or in Reddit right. or in Blind, right? Um, it is immediately there's a string of individuals like, Look, my best employee on my team is over 40. I'm 60 exactly. and I've been doing this, or I entered tech at 50. So I think that there is this, maybe it's not always common that people in their 50s and 60s are entering tech, right? But there is enough evidence that this is not necessarily true, that those high contributors with a lot of experience that are helping organizations be transformative are not individuals always in their 20s and 30s. 
right? That we really need as organizations, individuals that have a wide range of experiences. Would that be someone that's coming in with fresh eyes and has never done anything that's going to provide a different perspective to those individuals who have seen it, done it, and tried it and can yep. help you steer your organization in the way that you need to, right? Would that be in Avoid some leadership capacity? Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. Or is it my individual experience tells me, right? Like, hey, if we want to do this, these are the pros and cons of it. Are we prepared for that, right? Or this may be a way to do it because these are the things that are impacting it that someone who is sometimes early in their career may not always fully appreciate or see. Right, right. Right, so, you know, um, when you think about organizations um, and who are CEOs in organizations, right? They're, the average age is, I think, 47, right? And I think tech organizations. So it's not necessarily a 30-year-old, right? And even when you do see some of those individuals who are younger, like you think about uh, Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, these really who? early... <laughs> yeah. Who's that guy? Someone we've never heard of ever, yeah. right? These, you know, individuals who were really successful earlier in their lives, right? And big innovators... They didn't do it alone, right? They a lot of times have to partner with individuals who are experienced. Would it be a board? Would it be a CEO, a CFO that really understands how to operate a business, right? And yeah, um, 100%. I think one of the best things that happened to uh, Facebook was Sheryl Sandberg, right? And mm -hmm. she, in some aspects, came in. I don't think she was quite 40 when she joined the organization, but she led along with the rest of the C-suite well into her 50s as well, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and I think considered incredibly successful in her own range, right? And that experience didn't come just from being, you know, uh, older or not older. She just had a, a successful career and was able to implement her knowledge to make uh, Facebook incredibly successful. So we see a lot of evidence, right? I see it at work. I see um, individuals that I've worked with um, in the last three years of Textio, and I can tell the difference between someone who has been there and done that, right? They've been in organizations in their highs and their lows, and yeah. they're able to translate that into action, right? Into these things need to happen, right? And I value that so much, and the organization values it, right? So and I, I know that it, it doesn't just happen in a Textio. It happens in, you know, this is my third tech startup, right? And I've seen that across the board. I've seen some, you know, young founders make the decision to bring really experienced CEOs and COOs into organizations that have really helped them, you know, transform organizations and be incredibly successful. And then I see it in my personal life too. You know, I think of my parents, I don't think my mom got her master's until she was in her mid forties. You know, my dad, is uh, his job requires him to have some good grasp of data management. And he learned R, uh, which is a programming language in his seventies. Um, so there is um, a lot of indicators, at least in my life, that a lot of these myths of aging workers are, are, are fallacy, right? Absolutely. And then I think there's a conscious effort organizations need to make. And I think this is where the biggest change needs to take place. And I think we have to somewhat vote with our with our presence or not presence <laughs> in, in those organizations. And what I mean by that is a company with a bad culture is going to be a company with a bad culture. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to change it right now. You're not going to be able to no. change that. But the hope, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and if they're going to come back and have ideas regarding age and regarding any really bias, and they're not willing to make that change, my gut tells me they're probably not going to be as successful as you want them to, or they're going to exactly. be in the news soon, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> at some point, good, right? Good point. <laughs> um, and um, the way you change it is by deciding whether or not as an individual, no matter what age, do I work with them or not, right? Yep. And I think that every person needs to make that decision. And I would caution individuals who are entering their career to say, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm okay with an organization that only values how much I can drink. I'll, I'm okay <laughs> with an organization that only values if I'm good at ping pong, you know, whatever may be the case, right? Um, but that organization is not going to be okay with you as you grow your career. So is that where you want to invest your time? And is that where you want to put your, this is where I grew up and these are the morals and values that shaped me in my career going forward, right? And I think as individuals who are older, who are willing to share experience, mentorship, et cetera, are you willing to work for those organizations to help them succeed? And the answer is we shouldn't be, right? right. And we should mm -hmm. be able to say, I'm not going to work for those type of organizations, right? right. So I think you vote with that, right? Like whether or not they're going to be successful. I think boards feet. have a lot of responsibility, right? They do. Like I, I'm, I'm baffled that a board would be okay with hiring a ton of people that are inexperienced. Yeah. 
It does blow my mind as well. And you think these investors too, that they, they've seen what makes a team tick and what makes things successful. And I think you referenced one of the, the data points that I found, which is that the average age of the 0.1% most successful CEOs out there is 45. That's the average age, right? So the older founders have had more success, demonstrable success in their in their careers, which is because like you said, we all learn from our experience, right? So I don't understand why that doesn't have a trickle-down effect throughout the organization. I don't know if it has something to do with the affinity bias of the founders pulling from their like pool, right? Where you get, which is, again, it's not like a malicious act they're doing, but it's just kind of what they know. But I don't understand why the proverbial adults in the room, the investors who've seen this over and over again, aren't actually actively dictating like, no, we need to actually increase diversity across different age ranges. Maybe there's a problem with the amount of pay that they're willing to offer. Who knows? But it's an interesting issue. And I I definitely want to peel it back a little bit and learn more about what's actually in play there because you're right like we need to have i think the sort of the central component of, of what you're saying your thesis here is that you yeah. need everyone right because that produces yeah, better 100 percent more innovation absolutely yeah. right and you know it's also known that companies that have individuals that have a broader range of experience especially startups are going to be more successful right so there's a lot of indicators where experience matters right and experience tends to be tied some level with age right and not always right so I think there's a a general need. I think that, you know, for organizations that are looking to make a shift, right, there's things that they can do. And part of it is they can implement tools like Textio, right? This is one of the things that we do very well is being able to identify language that you can use to help neutralize. We help you identify, right, a little more clearly where there's bias and how you're communicating, right? And there's also the opportunity to understand when you're doing performance reviews, where there's bias and how you are writing those reviews, right? From language use, the amount of context that you provide, right? So are you providing more context and information and feedback to a certain group of people versus others, right? So um, being able to implement some of the Textio tools is incredibly, I think, important, right? Would it be Textio or another tool? But bringing something to that cautiousness, that language matters and the language that you're using. We currently are releasing a report on September 19th. That's an industry report, right? And anybody can look at it at Textio, I believe it's Textio.com slash report, where you can find out more information regarding how language is creating bias in the workplace. Right. Or how bias is influencing, you know, performance in the workplace. You know, you can really make a DNI initiative about age. You never hear that. Right. So that's never something that is ever included in any DIB plan is age. Right. There is a swath responsibility, normally race and gender, sometimes disability. Right. I don't think I've ever seen age purposely, right? And sometimes veteran status, right? So um, I think there are still some gaps in DNIB plans, but certainly can add that, right? To say, hey, we want a good representation of a population across everything, and not only in leadership, but across both ICs and exactly. leadership roles. Exactly. Absolutely. Preach. I think that's so incredibly important to also look across the organization, not solely at the leadership level, because guess what? <laughs> Supply and demand, right? They're only so many slots for leaders and we're all getting older with every single millisecond, right? So, but why do you think it is that the stat that I saw, and I I will find it and put it in the show notes, but the stat that I saw is that 92% of DEIB initiatives don't include age, 92%, uh, which sounds like it's very much in keeping with your experience and your understanding of the space. Why do you think it is that we're so far behind on age? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think that, A, it's socially acceptable, right? You hear about it in politics. You hear about it on TV, TV shows, right? Social media, it's very acceptable, right? And I think there's also a self-level of self-deprecation. As we've gotten older, we're okay making fun of ourselves uh, about the things that do change, right? And uh, so I think there's a lot of societal belief that that is fine, and there's been no pressure to change it. I also think that in some traditional companies, you will find that a lot of those who are in very executive roles are older, right? So that's not necessarily what you're looking to replicate. You're looking to replicate a, you know, you know, representation across the organization, but it's probably not as evident, right? Yeah. So you see, you know, representation in some organizations, especially when you, you think about the C-suite, a lot of people are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And that is not something that necessarily translates to other roles across the organization, right? 
And in tech, there is somewhat of a reluctance or, um, to believe that people who are in their 40s or, or you know, later, right, and can enter into tech, right? Yeah. I think tech likes to protect itself for whatever reason. And this idea of, like, you have to be a certain age or a certain time for your, you know, to be able to follow some of the tech practices, which, again, is a fallacy, right? It's it is. not accurately true. And you see some of the attributes of especially younger workers, right, that... Um, that apply to some of the fallacies of older workers as well. So they, you know, you think about some of the fallacies on age are they're not going to have the energy. They're not going to want to learn. They're not going to lean into X. They want to do things their way. And then you see some of the things attributed to Gen Z, which is lazy girl jobs, mindless right. Mondays, right? <laughs> quiet, you know, quitting, quiet quitting, right? <laughs> yes, All those yes, things. <laughs> all those things. And like, you know, so it just feels that all this is just a bunch of bias and no one can win. Right. right. And they're exactly. um, and I think that we all have to work towards uh, making this change. But I really believe that the reason that things are changing as quickly is because society still believes age is something that it's OK to, to, you know, speak against. Right. Especially in the United States where we don't have this reverence on age. Right. We certainly um, don't remember COVID so, when people were like, mm-hmm. oh, just let the old people die. I mean, yeah, if you need any more yes. like that was like, uh, yeah. holy crap. Like, think about what that what you're yeah. saying. It's mm-hmm. outrageous. But we yeah. felt not we, but obviously clearly not the yeah. two of us, but like. People felt okay saying that out loud. No, absolutely. And you see it all the time, right? You hear it even with like who gets celebrated. 30 under 30 is the one that's like, yes. oh my gosh, look at these wonderful humans, which I, yeah, there are wonderful yeah, humans. I'm not going to take that away from them. But, you know, there isn't as much as, you know, 50 for 50, right? Or whatever may be the case, right? There is a, there, we hyper celebrate, right? A young success and early success, I would say probably, you know, that we, you know, celebrate. So I think that society just has not made that shift. So I think that's hard. Now, why we haven't, I think is we've tolerated it, right? I think that will change though. Um, Gen X is well into their forties and fifties, right? Uh, the millennials are starting to hit their forties, right? <laughs> they're one of the largest groups, <laughs> yeah. right? And the organization. <laughs> so they're going to start, you know, coming in. And I think they're, they're coming in with, they still want to contribute a lot, right? They're still able to, they're mm-hmm. healthier than counterparts, you know, 30 to 40 years ago. They're much more active. I think they're the representation of women in the workplace now is significantly higher. That's going to shift. I think how people think about age as well and the contributions women are making. So I think there's a shift that's going to be coming, right? I think that we, what we want to do is we want to help those who are maybe early millennials or coming into the workforce, appreciate the value they bring and not feel making them feel unappreciated or heard. By right. providing expertise and mentorship, right, uh, in general, yes. right? So and people need that desperately. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's such a huge, when I think about yeah. my own career, that's been such a huge component to my growth is having the people who've gone before me, helping me with the ropes, learning the ropes, getting from A to B faster. And that, you know, now that I've reached a certain age, right, and I feel like I know some things, I can now give back to people who are younger than I am and encourage their growth, right? Like it, it's critical for a work. A hundred percent, right? Like in a hundred percent, right? And, you know, when you think about like, you know, what organizations are doing, like, are you training your managers to identify these bias? <laughs> yeah. Are you shutting it probably down not. when they make these type of comments, <laughs> yeah, right? Probably not. Are you guiding them, right? So there is work organizations need to make that they have to consciously make that work, right? And, you know, I am a big you know, not that I don't fall into some of the memes of millennials versus Gen Z or something from time to time, but there's just no place for them. Like you, you, it's so harmful for everyone when you allow those stereotypes to just be predominant. And it doesn't mean there isn't going to be different expectations from those entering the workforce. Now I had different expectations than, you know, my people in my position, you know, when I entered the workforce, those things are going to continue to change when you continue to adapt to them, but we need to make sure that there is also a slice of, Hey, there's this, there's not this disconnect by those individuals who are older necessarily. I think leadership teams need to ensure they're listening to people in general and meeting their needs because they're creating some of that division, right? We're like, why is this person who's, you know, isn't willing to change or isn't, you know, willing to do X, Y, Z, the one leading me, right? Let us lead, let us do things, right? And they're not seeing the value that that experience comes. And the a lot of it comes, I think, from them not being heard and feeling undervalued, right? And even in things like, oh, Gen Z doesn't know how to use technology. Yes, they know how to use their iPad and their phone. But when it comes down to really understanding the crux of it, there's complaints about, you know, 
poor Gen Z coming in and not knowing technology that can be applied to older workers as well. Older workers don't know how to use PDFs, right? Or whatever may be the case. So I think that, again, we are just creating division and leadership by allowing those type of conversations is allowing a division that shouldn't exist. We're really good at division in the U.S., that's for sure. Yes, 100%. Totally skilled there. Yes, very, very skilled, right? And, you know, (laughs) and you hear it so much and it's, it's just so evident that people are like, yep, age is important, right? And, you know, I go back to politics a lot, right? There's, Mm -hmm. you know, this idea of like, hey, these people are too old to lead, right? And instead of like, are they competent? Are they serving our needs best? Are they representing the people that they were representing? That is a more cohesive argument than whether or not their, their age is X, right? And the same goes for the workforce, right? So, you know, I think a lot of it is companies just need to make sure that they're training individuals or supporting, that they have good measures to understand who's being left behind, right? So when you look at who's performing, who's your superstars, who's being left behind? And if you're leaving something behind, you have a responsibility as a leader, as an organization to help them catch up, right? So a hundred percent believe that you have a responsibility. Obviously people also have a responsibility to make sure they're keeping up with work and they're keeping up with the stuff that they need to know and in order to be proficient in their job. Right. But as leaders, they have, you know, I see the, the, the responsibility on them. Yeah. So it's incumbent on them. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. So it's, it's, it's a shared responsibility and you can't just say, well, they didn't say anything. They didn't ask, or I assumed anything. Right. I think in the moment that you respond, I assume something, Oh, you lost already. Like go yeah, back exactly. and start from the, the brain board again. Like you've right? heard like, that saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for a job at tech companies backed by private equity? If you're anything like many people I know, that answer is a definite no. And in fact, you actually dread the possibility your company might get acquired by private equity. But guess what? The whole exception proves the rule thing. That's true. Cross-section is that exception. A new PE firm and boutique consultancy that's built by actual operators from the tech industry, as in they know how to do the work and can help founders get the capital and guidance they need to go to the next level. They also understand the value of experience, and so do the leaders at their portfolio companies. Sign up at itgetslateearly.com to apply to cross-sections portfolio companies and other hand-selected opportunities for workers of any age. Back to the show. <laughs> so... And it's amazing. It's amazing how many people will make assumptions. Like, how do you know mm. that family is important to them? How do you know that they don't want to take that on? How do you know they're not willing to do X? Like, oh, 99% it comes back to assumptions. Yeah, it really does. And those those hit certain types of people harder, right? I mean, I, I think myself, uh, of, uh, you know, I've heard countless people say, you know, well, there's the assumption that you're a woman of a certain age, you're probably going to go out on maternity leave at some point or another, right? Like that's something that comes in into the mix, whether people say it out loud or not, it's definitely uh, in their brain. It's there. I mean, it's there, right? Um, there is, you know, I don't know how many people are willing to admit sometimes that those biases are there, right? And they're making those active decisions, right? The difference is with age, we hear them as being uh, reasons, right? And um, both cloaked and, and, and overtly, right? And I think that it comes back to what happens when you're stuck in a position where you are, you know, someone who is not necessarily representative of the majority of the organization, right? So if there's individuals, the majority of the people in the organization are 35 and you're, you know, in your late forties, you know, early fifties, how are you navigating that? So Sandy, earlier you referenced a report that's coming out from Texio soon about bias. And, and so I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit more about that and where the audience can find it. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get the latest re- uh, research on performance feedback by going to textio.com slash report. This is coming out on September 19th, uh, and it's a report we're incredibly excited about. You, you know, I shared a little bit that there is some data regarding age, right? It's indicating that individuals are more ambitious if they're under 40, right? If they're over 40, they're more responsible and selfish. Um, however, <laughs> it also... for us. <laughs> yes. Not, not, I don't love it. Not I, so I know much. you're being sarcastic, but it's terrible. It's awful. Uh, you know, and it goes back to some of the stuff that, you know, we've we've spoken about throughout the podcast, but it also includes a lot of other information regarding bias, right? So bias regarding race and gender, right, are also included in this feedback. And it's just incredibly powerful to think about the way organizations use language at times so casually, right, so casually. and the impact that that can have and the benefit if organizations could just change that. 
right? Yeah. If organizations absolutely. could just think about like, I'm not qualifying your characteristics, but I am qualifying you based on your results. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> That would, that would be that would be great. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that you have this report coming out too because you know another critical component of age is the intersectionality with other protected groups and other marginalized groups, right? So age plus race, age plus gender, maybe even the trifecta, right? Like people, this comes out in myriad ways. And so it's really important to think about it through that lens as well. No, absolutely. And something that is really interesting is that even as you think about the intersectionality and you think about it, particularly with tech, is that a lot of women in tech are in their 40s. So a lot of women that are revered and considered incredibly strong are over 40, right? So I do believe that this intersectionality is going to continue to drive uh, some level of change, right, in how age is perceived, right? Let's hope so. And I do too. I'm hopeful. And I think it starts with creating some level of awareness. Um, But I think it also, uh, you know, your podcast and speaking about it and comfortably speaking about it, I think uh, will create the change that's needed, right? Uh, Organizations want to be successful at the end of the day, and they cannot do so when they have a homogeneous group of individuals running the organization. Organizations need to be mindful of all the different all the differences that we have and the ways in which those can manifest themselves in the office. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I think that as we continue with different tooling that can identify bias better, I think we'll be able to start better tracking the impact that this bias has on organizations, right? Something that we hadn't talked about regarding what organizations can do. It's really track your metrics, right? Track your metrics, understand what's happening in your organization, and that will give you an indicator of where there's deficiencies and where you need to ensure that you're leaning into a little bit more, right? And if you see a gap, it's not okay to just say, ah, well, it's age, who cares? That's not a problem. Right? <laughs> That's a problem for tomorrow, quite literally yeah. for me, right? You know, I was yeah, like, oh. Yeah, absolutely. And <sighs> um, yeah, and look, at the end of the day, you know, Maureen, my, my, Hope is that we feel confident enough to be able to speak up when there are issues, right? And that we are good allies to people in our age range, right? Something that I have discovered is that I always felt that I had strong friendships in my 20s and 30s. As I turned in my 40s, the allyship I have, particularly with women in their 40s, is very strong. So not only am I seeing it in those deep-seated friendships that I've had my whole life, but in individuals navigating the world, um, willing to offer help, right? So I think we need to combine some of those that initiative and some of the desire to help each other. Yeah, no, we we do need to we need to branch out and to bring others into the fold and share our experience and our wisdom with people across different different realms and different walks of life. And I mean, I can't tell you how much I've learned from people who are younger than I am, right? And how much I value the friendships and relationships that I've been able to build with them. And I see my younger my younger self in them in some cases too, which is kind of just like a fun trip, you know. It's like, but it, it's just. I find my own life to be so much richer and my own work experience to be so much richer when I like really willingly and knowingly foster relationships across different groups at the office. So it's just, it's such a win. Like it's just, people have to get a little bit outside of their comfort zone. And sometimes people aren't really willing to do that, but man, the payoff is so huge when you do. Oh, it's absolutely, it's enormous. Right. But I mean, I think it is like, I think that there is a, there is some support that we need to give each other in order to make that change. Right. If um, like any change, we can't uh, expect others to change. All we can do is make sure that we are cognizant of when it's happening. We are cognizant of when we're doing it. And we're able to speak up and help others understand the implications of the behaviors or language or actions that they're taking. And that goes across every aspect of our lives, right? Including work. Yes. And it can sneak up on you. I mean, I I realized when I went to an age symposium event, I was like, holy crap, I'm ageist. Like, I didn't realize it, but I, I failed the test, like the hiring test immediately. And I was like, oh my God, like I've got a lot of work to do too. This is a real big problem, you know? So it's, it starts with everybody just building awareness and then we can move towards change and and fixing it. So I'm really 
grateful that Textio is out there doing this kind of work on behalf of all of us. So, Well, thank you. I am too. I'm very proud of the work we're doing and I'm very glad that we're able to uplift individuals of all different backgrounds and that we are able to bring in consciousness to organizations, right? So yeah, it's something that- Better I'm, together. Yeah, like the tagline of so many tech organizations yes. and their campaigns. <laughs> Better together, but like really, like we are. So. But really, really, really. But really yeah, at least really. we're not saying we're all family, right? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Check we've we've uh, missed that red flag at least here today oh man sandy the conversations i've had with women on and off the record they're like i feel a pressure to look at least 10 years younger yeah. than i am yeah. in order just to hack it in tech yep. and i definitely i identify with that statement 100 percent. you know because yeah. you look around and you realize that you could be in some cases the, the mother of the people with yeah. whom you work and you're like huh okay <laughs> hundred percent. And I think there is a lot of pressure, right? And to in ensure you come across at a specific age, my hope is that will eventually change, right? Because ultimately, forget appearances, right? Um, it's what are you bringing to the table, right? Is what really is important. And organizations need to value that, right? Like if an organization wants to be a, a good employer, right? And wants to do well, they're going to be value individuals for the contributions you make, not so for how energetic you look or, you know, how, what appearances you have, right? And um, it's dangerous when, when they focus on appearance beyond anything else, right? Um, and I think there's sometimes, you know, you, you made the comment of like, you know, I could be someone's parent and, you know, I feel that too, right? There's people coming into the workforce and it's like, oh yeah, I could be your, your parent, right? There are some behaviors that I've seen sometimes people display that I think they need to be thoughtful of. And people have fallen into the roles of being the advisor and not in a mentorship type way, right? And, yeah, in and a like, very I'm, bad yeah, way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in a bad can, way. Or, it can be super yeah. harmful. Yep. And um, and you see individuals coming in and, you know, being more fatherly and motherly than really like I'm a strong, oh, capable human yeah. Yeah. that is going to show you the way. Right. So yeah. you want to really make sure that you're not buying into the stereotypes. No. All of us have to be proficient at our jobs. Right. We all have to keep up with our industry. We all have to keep up with our area, our field of, of you know, what we excel in or what we're working on. We all all have to make sure that we're technically, you know, competent, right? There Absolutely. has to be some level of technical competency in the world. You cannot, yeah, yeah, 100%. You cannot not have that, right? And what I see in individuals being truly successful in organizations, really no matter what age, is that ability, that growth mindset, right? So that strong, strong desire to learn, super curious. I want to be on top of it, right? And I think organizations, especially startups now, want you to know, how we operate, you need to be operationally efficient. You need to be technically savvy enough to be able to keep up with the demands, right? Especially as you think about chat GPT coming in. If you come back and no matter what age you're on, you're like, oh, I don't see how that's going to impact me. That's going to hinder you, right? And you're going to let others make the determination how GP, chat GPT is going to help you or any other technology, right? So you have to be on top of it. And I think that especially in startups that have a lot of transparency, there's financial literacy that is expected, Right. So if you're in, in any position, would it be an IC level, an executive level, and you don't feel that you have some the handle on how the organization operates, right? A uh, handle on how technology is going to impact your role and a handle on the finances of the organization, it's going to limit your career at some point, right? It may not hinder and solve roles, but I even think about you know, non-tech organizations, right? You think about even in uh, manufacturing organizations, right? There is some expectation of if you're going to recommend a change that you understand how that change would potentially impact, right? Your different areas of organization, right? So you may be very skilled at this, but you say, hey, I think we need to do this. And if you don't understand, well, it's going to cost us, you know, $70 million to make that change for a gain of a million, right? Yeah. That may not be a great trade-off, <laughs> Make it right? make sense, so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that organizations can help uh, individuals by helping them understand, like, how do I think about operations? How do I think about technology? And how do I think about uh, some financial responsibility? And that's just really curious, right? Like, you have to be curious, right? Um, I've reported to people who are significantly younger than me. I've reported to people that have no HR experience in the past. And what I think has made me successful is I'm curious about what their goals are. I'm curious about what is important to them. I, you know, I ask, you know, 
how do you want us to communicate? What's important for you, right? I don't say things like, well, we've tried that before and it didn't work, right? <laughs> it um, never really sounds yeah, that yeah. great, does it? Never, right? <laughs> um, but I do come in and saying, hey, I, I, I hear you saying this. I see why this is a benefit and I see why you want to do this. These are some of the, the roadblocks that I'm not able to get over, right? Do you mind yeah. if we talk them through, right? So sometimes it's what positioning. What a brilliant framework. It. Yeah. That's brilliant so, what you just said. <laughs> but Love a lot it. of it is basically coming back and saying, ooh, I think there's a mess or something that maybe their experience isn't allowing them to see through their lens that you want to share. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's how do you manage up and how do you influence individuals, yes. right? Yes. And how do you have an organization that has the psychological safety for its employees in order to have that kind of a conversation that's not just a yes, sir, yes, ma'am, you know? A hundred percent, right? And this is one of my biggest indicators of poor leadership. When someone comes back and says something like, I want someone that I can mold, right? Oh or I want God. someone that just wants to follow the process. To me, that's like, you want someone that's not going to thank you. want someone that's not going to do anything. They're going to just do whatever Kool-Aid. you tell them. And a hundred percent normal poor leadership, right? Or underdeveloped leadership, right? So absolutely. And look, if that's the company you want and that's the company you have, be honest with candidates that that's what you're seeking. That's because what I would love. You know, <laughs> honestly, like, I don't know. I'm sure you've heard this before, right? Where people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we hired so-and-so with 15 years of experience. And they go up and it's like, we're so glad you're joining our organization. You're going to be so good at making, help us making all these transformational changes. And then when they're like, great, I come in and I want to make suggestions. No. Not really. You don't get to I've make been those that changes. Person. Yeah, right? Exactly. And it's and so then you're suddenly not invited anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly, like, right? Huh. And you're like, huh, like <laughs> that's why I joined too, because you told me that this was the <laughs> what I was gonna do, right? So, you know, I think that you really have to be honest with what you want as an organization and honest on what you need. You're not gonna you're not gonna be disappointed and the people you hire aren't gonna be disappointed, right? Exactly. Uh, my hope is that organizations that are kind of falling into these patterns are able to recognize it and are able to pull out of it. Right. But the truth is that if not all may, right. And you're going to have to make a decision as an individual, is it worth me staying? Yeah. Right. Like if I, the way I see it is, do I feel that I'm contributing? You know, do I have allies? Right. So a lot of times when you talk about that mentorship is like, can I mentor other individuals because they're going to be my allies. Right. So I've leveraged allies in the past to get things done, you know, or to get points across, right, uh, in my career. And it's individuals who I seek them out for certain things that I think they're good at. And they're things where they seek me out for the things I'm good at. So I have really strong allyship. So that when I'm going to make changes, those are the people I pull from. So if I've done allyship, if I've done, I think I'm doing my job well, I understand my expectations. I've had a conversation to ask, like, hey, what do you expect, Right. I've been in organizations where I've been able to also dictate, like, this is what I need from you. Not everyone allows that, right? But at least you say, hey, help me understand what you expect. I want to make sure we're on the same page of where you see me. When I've mapped out what my growth is, what I need, uh, where are opportunities I'm seeking? And I'm still seeing that I'm being confronted with doubt, where I'm not being promoted, where I'm not being shared information, you have to go. Like, I I hate to say this, like people need to decide when they need to go. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not the answer everybody wants. I think everyone's looking like, what can I do to make sure that this doesn't happen? And I think that you prepare yourself as much as you can by being a, a strong advocate for yourself. The same advocacy you tell someone that just joined the workforce of like, share your ideas, share your what you're doing, share not what you're doing, right? All Everything that is uh, expected of those individuals coming into the workplace, apply it to yourself, right? Um, and I, I don't know if you've seen this, but this has happened to me where I'm, I know I can do X, Y, Z, and I stop telling people that I'm doing it. Right. Because oh, it's a given yeah. and I'm comfortable with it. Yep. And then um, all of a sudden someone else is like praised for doing it. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. I've been doing this all along. Right. Exactly. And, to me, <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot of it, I think, is just a, a lack of me talking about it. You know, I take it for granted mm-hmm. and don't take what you do for granted. No, but no, it's after everything, at some point you have to leave. Right. Yeah. I think that organizations don't deserve you. No, they don't. And some organizations really are that broken and can't be fixed. And it really comes down to an individual, like, does it work for you or not? Right. And if it's a group think type organization and you don't fit the mold, well, sorry, you're kind of SOL. And those are the breaks. And I think it's particularly painful and has an incredibly harmful effect 
if you, <laughs> I mean, if you've thought that you've gone through all the different hoops and made sure that you have been checking the boxes and you've been looking for red flags and you think you're going through coast and clear, and then you get there and then wham, <laughs> you're hit with it. It's just like, holy crap. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's relative position of privilege to be able to say, I'm going to hit the eject button here. Right. Some people have to kind of make it work for a while, make it work in air quotes, but like, it's just, oh, there are times when you have to cut your losses and it's just, oh, it, it can be such a hard pill to swallow, right? Especially if you've been sold the dream and you think it's real. A hundred percent, right? And I think that we lie to ourselves all the time, right? Oh, so we make up stories as to maybe this isn't true or right. maybe it's just me or maybe I was sensitive, I'm tired, overwhelmed, whatever may be the reason, right? And you're not looking at it from... Um, a more objective point of view where maybe this isn't the place for you to be successful. I also think that we do have to have some courage in speaking up. Right. So I think that there is, and I know not every organization allows that safety. Right. But it's also hard when you can't share, Hey, I, I don't want to be passed over. Like I really want to make sure that I'm seen as an X in line and XYZ role. Right. Or I want to stretch opportunity there. Like what would it take? What do you need? What would you want to see? right for me to get there is a fair question to ask. And I'm not asking for a checklist. I'm not asking for, I'm asking for just a conceptual understanding of what you value as a company or as a leadership team. And um, we make it a service when we don't ask that. Right. Yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, but also, you know, it's not always uh, up to us, right. It's uh, in, you know, sometimes we, we do have to, uh, you know, make that decision. And I think ultimately, if you do feel that you're being discriminated against, like, I think you have to speak up, right? You have to speak to HR. If you need to take it outside of the organization, you know, do you need to talk to the EEOC? Do you need to talk to an attorney? Like, ultimately, there are some cases that are just significant enough that I think merit some additional action and change, right? And um, it's certainly not what I want as an HR person to have individuals have claim against me or the company in any means, but it's sometimes uh, as an individual, you're in that position, right? And it's important for individuals to know that there is recourse. There is. Yeah. It can be, you know, very difficult to prove. Unfortunately, as I understand federally, it's, it's a very high bar to clear in order to prove age discrimination specifically. It's, it's, fascinating to me that that's the case, but that's the way it is. Um, but certainly there are more protections in some states and, lo and localities. So it just kind of depends where you are. But maybe as we get older, we want to be more mindful about the companies in which we work because of those protections based on location. Who knows? Um, but that's a little bit of a, a grim approach. Um, but you're right. There is recourse. So hope is not lost. And, and like you said, a lot of this goes back to you know making sure that companies are actually walking the talk and they are doing the training with their organization, with their leadership, and making sure that they are aware of the biases that they may have, you know, overtly or not, right? So that's why I'm so grateful that Textio exists in the market and that it's doing such great work on that front. So super, super grateful for that and for you coming to share your experience at Textio and beyond. So thank you so much, Sandy. No, well, thank you for having me and let me uh, share a little bit of my own experiences uh, with you and your audience. Thanks for joining us today at It Gets Late Early. I hope this episode was insightful and entertaining. Now, before you go, if you're old and work in tech, just like me, I have something really cool for you. We're putting together a job board specifically for seasoned tech workers, where we'll curate the best opportunities for experienced tech talent. If you want a place to look for work where you can trust there won't be so much bias in the hiring process, go to itgetslateearly.com and sign up so you'll be the first to know when we launch it. Thanks and see you next time.